bulletproof vest when it's getting dangerous. Always make me feel blessed, you're my guardian angel. You are, you are, you are. You are, you are, you are. You put your body on mine when they're taking aim. You're the pin in my heart, it's a heaven.
Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. You're listening to The Sports Show on River Radio. This is Extra Time. This is the, the, the sports show. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, where we bring you all the sports stories from the Thames Valley and beyond. I'm Will Taylor, and over the next half an hour, I'll be talking you through debate and discussion with co-host Ed Tarleton. So come and join us as we get stuck into another episode of Extra Time. This week, we talk through all the local football as we chat an 11-goal thriller in the FA Cup for Maidenhead, a patchy week in the Cup for Wickham, and some good results for the Royals' men's and women's team. We're also going to delve into our Hot Topic section, where we chat all the biggest sports stories beyond the Thames Valley. Stay tuned for all that and much more on this week's Extra Time. Hello, that's right, good evening. Don't worry, don't worry, we are here. Don't panic, River Radio, Extra Time. We're here as normal, just a little bit later than we planned to be. It's 7pm on a Wednesday night. It is time for another edition of River Radio Sports Show. And joining me tonight to go through the latest sports news from around the Thames Valley is Ed Tarleton, who joins us fresh of his appearance, ahead of his appearance, at Wembley on Friday night. You're in the DJ booth this time, though, not the pitch. I don't want to confuse anyone. You've not replaced Jordan Pickford in goal, have you? You looking forward to it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, even even in the wake of, of that... Of that uh introduction i am still looking forward to it thanks for reminding me that my football career is very much over um you know in case i hadn't in case i hadn't remembered myself but no looking forward to it it's it's always good to go down and and be involved with uh, with england you know we've had some great atmospheres down there and obviously in the wake of our getting to the final of a of a competition for the first time since uh, 1966 it's um yeah it's one i'm looking forward to for sure obviously the uh, selections have, have caused a little bit of furore um in terms of you know tomori's not in there and what have you but it's always a good atmosphere down at Wembley, so yeah, it should be good. It certainly should be. I'm looking forward to it myself to hearing um, to hearing what what will unfold there. I mean, obviously as well that you're um, you're you're talking about a lot of things there with England that's really exciting. But you also obviously work with a lot of uh, the Premier League sort of stuff. You, you deal with a lot of that. That's right. Yeah, it's a merry-go-round managerially, which we're going to get into. I mean, three sackings in seven <laughs> days is is crazy, absolutely crazy. I mean, obviously, you know, the sacking of, of uh, Nuno Espirito Santo was the one that really, really grabbed the headlines. That's not been the case so much with Dean Smith um, and and Daniel Farker just after, but um, nonetheless, surprising. Certainly in the case of Dean Smith, I would have said. But yeah, it's now five managers. That we have uh, that we've lost so far this season, and what are we into? You know, it's not even mid-November, so um, you know, plenty more, plenty more water to go under the bridge. And of course, Eddie Howe's coming at, at Newcastle. If you did wonder just how much, just how like on top of things we are at River Radio, Ed just Ed did just have to check the date as well. So that, that pretty much <laughs> says it all, I think. Um, no, obviously. To um, be fair, you came on air and said it's seven pm on yeah. a Wednesday, having just said we're on a bit later than usual. And there's a clock staring you in the face, oh, sending you. All right, all right. 
No. So you can play in that game. Yeah, no, they, they very much can. You're bang on, mate. Look, look, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I don't want to disrupt anyone. And if anyone's listening to the podcast, I want them to think it's normal, mate. That's all it is. Because, of course, everyone's setting their, setting their watch by us on a Wednesday at 7pm. Exactly. I don't want to upset the apple cart, there so to go. speak. Quick game. Do you want, can you name all the managers that have been sacked or not? <laughs> oh, wow. I'll tell you what, if my boss is listening to this, this is... This is this is going to determine whether or not I'm in his end of the year quiz team, yeah, isn't exactly. it? Right. Okay. Um, in order, uh, Cisco went from Watford first and yeah. was replaced by Claudio Ranieri, and then I'm not sure what that that squeaky yeah, know, noise yes. is. That is that an incorrect buzzer? That, yeah. That's definitely what happened. Um, and then Steve Bruce obviously went from Newcastle and has now been replaced by Eddie Howe. After that, we then had the news that Nuno Espirito Santo had gone. He's been replaced by Antonio Conte. Mm-hmm. I'm not, oh, this is really hard because I'm trying to remember the order this happened in. I think that, uh, I think Daniel Farker might have gone before Dean Smith. Yep, just about, um, yeah. It was a matter of, it was, matter of it, hours almost. I mean, yeah. it was a photo finish. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think Barker, I think Barker, Barker got went, it on the nod almost. Because he, yeah. he went pretty much directly after that win against Brentford. Very bizarre. After yeah. their first, I mean, that decision you would imagine had already been taken irrespective of the result. And mm-hmm. that's the nature of the beast because we were coming up to the international break. But um, but yeah, it's uh, when put under pressure like that, it's, it's quite hard to... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You've done very well, mate. You very very well. Well. Thank you very, very much. Well. And obviously, we're still pending. Uh, you know, Stephen Gerrard heavily linked with the with the vacancy at Aston Villa. Very much. Frank so. Lampard apparently in in the frame potentially for for the job at Norwich. But we'll we'll talk about that perhaps more we in will. hot topic. We will in hot topic, and it's going to be if potentially, like you said, it could be great to see those two go head to head again. Uh, well, there's certainly is plenty to talk about football wise this week, as we've just touched on. But in the Thames Valley, uh, there's been games across the Championship and the FA Cup to discuss. But and we're going to start with Maidenhead United. They were knocked out of the FA Cup in one of the fixtures' most memorable first round games. They travelled to Halifax Town on Saturday, hoping to make history by progressing to the second round of the FA Cup, despite scoring four goals on the road. Mainhead came away with nothing to show for it, as believe it or not, they fell to a 7-4 defeat. 7-4? It's, it's honestly beyond belief, isn't it, almost? I mean, the last time I recall a 7-4 result was that one with Chris Kamara oh. down at, do you remember? <laughs> yeah, Portsmouth, um, Portsmouth Reading. It was Reading, I think. It was Reading, you're right, yeah. you're right. I mean, that's, no, Blackburn, wasn't Blackburn where he forgot that someone had been sent yeah. off? Or, yeah, that was Portsmouth, Blackburn, being, Anthony Van der Boer. <laughs> thought he was being substituted. But yeah, I mean, look, a crazy, crazy game, crazy. Um, And, you know, we did speculate on the previous show as to whether Halifax, who are currently, albeit, in, you know, in, in the fledgling period of the season thus far um, are in the promotion frame because obviously they're up to fifth and, and Maidenhead had beaten them already and we were kind of querying what kind of a side they would put out and whether they would try to maybe give a, a few players a rest but you know irrespective of their selection it was hammer and tongs wasn't it and it was back and forth and I mean a, a crazy game absolutely crazy but it's not one you want to be on the wrong side of because shipping seven goals is is a difficult one to come back from it is and I, it was it was very strange I was sat there um, watching Soccer Saturday and I just remember seeing within about 10 minutes it was 1-0 and you thought oh that game's gone a bit early and then you expect it to be a bit of a cagey affair from then on don't you you don't, you don't exactly know how it's going to play out and I just all these goals flying in consistently and for, for a long period of the time for the, of the game it very much like, looked like Maidenhead were in it which I think was, was the biggest thing so to then let it slip in the manner they did that's got to be disappointing for them hasn't it yeah of course but you've got to you know at the same time take the positives look it was a cup game at the end of the day it doesn't affect their league form as it were you know prior to that obviously they'd lost to Eastleigh but they had beaten Wrexham and they had beaten Woking so you know they were on a slight upturn of form it was three wins in a row wasn't it because they'd beaten Hastings to get into the first round 
round of the FA Cup as well. And now they're going to face Dagenham and Redbridge, who are eighth in the league, 23 points, which is nine more than what than what Maidenhead have. But at the same time, you have to say, Maidenhead had, generally speaking, been on an upward curve. It is difficult, though, when you have shipped so many goals in just one game to hit the reset button after that. That's that's difficult. But there were positives as well. Braces for Josh Kelly, for Emil Aqua. Um, you know, and you've got to kind of draw a line under it. And that's sometimes easier said than done. Yeah, and Aqua came into the squad late against Wrexham um, in the game that I was there. And he, he looked really bright. He looked really, really bright. And he certainly looked like a player that, that's going to cause problems for, for, for teams going forward. And he certainly did against Halifax. I think the way they've started doesn't mean... I mean, the actual result in itself, I, I generally don't think there were that many people going up there expecting Maidenhead to get anything purely because of the way that Halifax have been playing this season I mean I think there was a, there was a game against Stockport where they were 2-1 down in the 90th minute and ended up winning it 3-2 they're a really gritty side and the job Pete Wilder's done there is probably not spoken about enough I mean I know they um, Stockport took Dave Chandler from Hartlepool it, it was mind-boggling to me that they, that they didn't go for Pete Wilder I think you, I, if that's me I would just absolutely throw the book at it because he's taken Halifax from genuine regular relegation contenders to being a team that are going to be right up there this season and it's not even been over a particularly long period of time so you know it, it's not an easy team to play and I, I don't I think that needs to be considered but seven goals that's a bit much isn't it yeah absolutely and you know questions are going to be asked of of the back four I think it was James Holden in goal mm. who's on loan from Reading as well he's only about 19 so you know that would affect your confidence yeah definitely I might add though that that's not even half as many goals as, as I've conceded in, in my worst ever game <laughs> okay well there we um, go I think I remember being in a game where I think my team lost I think 15-16 one um, that was one of, one of my better was... games up front <laughs> <laughs> there's about a generation between us you wish uh, more to the point, so do I. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's but it does affect you when you when you have a game where you let that mm. many in. Of course, it does. It does affect your confidence. And Reese Lovett's been playing well as well. Really good, well. Good competition in in that goalkeeper spot. But it's never you don't concede seven goals and it's just down to the goalkeeper. That'll be a defensive thing. That is a team structure thing as well. Because the thing as a goalkeeper and, and the way you're sometimes taught to maybe have a touch of self serving bias, but also there is there is some you know, fact in this. You got ten men in front of you. You know, so it can't it can't just be me the whole time, can it? Um, but yeah, it'll it'll be disappointing for them. And, and as Ryan Peters has said recently on the show, I think he was chatting to yourself. Yeah. You know, the more goals you can see, the more you're asking of your forwards. But you've got you know you've got Emmanuel Aqua scoring a brace, Josh Kelly scoring a brace, and you still don't win the game. You know, there's no shame necessarily in losing to Halifax, but the way you lose sometimes, you know, they went and lost one nil to Eastleigh, one nil loss away from home. That's going to happen in, in the, the course of a league, league as well, in the yeah. course of a in the course of a season. Of course, it's going to happen, but you know, it's a difficult one. It is. But cup football is a little bit different per se anyway. It really is. It's very different. And it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds, I think, for Maidenhead. I mean, it's, it's, I never want to use the phrase blessed in disguise about the FA Cup because obviously they would have loved to have broken the records and got there for the first time. It would have been incredible had they. But with, with there being so much going on on the pitch, sort, sort of, you know, them being towards the lower echelons of the table and all that sort of thing, do you think it's, it's not obviously ideal but probably not something they're going to be massively massively stressing about because all the focus now on that the FA Trophy will be coming sort of to, you know more December time but they can really hone in on focusing on the league now I think you've got to spin it whatever way is going to work for you personally if they got through you'd be saying well hopefully you know you'll get somebody where you can get a little bit of money back mm. into the club or, or whatever that's now off the table 
as you say, you can now focus more more intensely on the league and there'll be some times whereby you don't have to play where other teams do. And, you know, when we talk about Wickham, you know, that's a replay that Wickham probably wouldn't have chosen yeah. if they could have avoided it with their 2-2 draw with, with Hartlepool. So whichever way you've got to spin it necessarily to keep moving forward and keep staying positive, I think is the important thing for Maidenhead now. And and as you say, you know, the, the league hasn't gone the way they would have wanted, but recently they have had an upturn in form you just got to go again at the end of the day. You draw a line under that one. That competition's over now, literally over for the season. Yep. Back to the league it is. Definitely. You're, you're bang on the money. And obviously, they will turn their attentions to the league where they face Dagenham and Redbridge on Saturday. They've started very well, sort of a team that I think have taken a lot of a lot of, uh, a lot of people by surprise, myself included. Some really, really strong players there. Paul McCallum up front looks, every every year I see him, he looks just as dangerous, if not more dangerous than the year before. It's, it, it, it sort of boggles my mind a little bit that he's still at that level. Did very well for Solihull Moors, left them by mutual consent. You're wondering what's going to happen with him. You're thinking League One, League Two potentially. I mean, and... and None of that happened. He ends up going to Dagenham and Redbridge, which, with no disrespect to them, was a bit of a surprising choice. It's a team that you would perhaps consider on a parallel to a team like uh, like Solihull and, and even Maidenhead to an extent. They're obviously eighth in the league, 23 points. That's nine more than Maidenhead. They are winless in three games, so they've hit a bit of a rocky patch after a good start. Do you think, with, with the way that Maidenhead beat Wrexham, obviously, before... before losing to Eastleigh and, and this one as well. Do you think they can still take com- sort of confidence from that and, and maybe sort of dig out an away win? Um, yeah, of course it's of course it's possible. You know, ideally they'd want to be at home for this one yes, after yeah. after having travelled to, to Halifax to, to get that loss, you know, in the way that it is a long, long way. Um so, you know, but that's that's not that's not on the table. It's not a massive journey, though, to get to Dagenham, to no. be totally honest with you. Um, and yeah, Dagenham, winless in three. You, you have to, you know, you have to ask questions about uh, how long does it take for a team to subtly lose a little bit of confidence. But they'll be looking at the league, Dagenham, and, and thinking, well, look, we're in eighth position, you know, and this is a team that are several places below us and have just been hit for seven. So Maidenhead are going to have to be on their guard. But of course they can go and get the win because Maidenhead have shown, as have many teams shown in the National League, that really anyone can beat anyone. Absolutely right, absolutely right. And certainly we do wish them the best of luck on Saturday as well. Uh, they'll be certainly hoping to get back to winning ways at Dagenham and Redbridge as well on Saturday. Another local side who were in action in the first round were Wickham Wanderers as well though. A 2-2 draw in their FA Cup game against Hartlepool means that, as Ed mentioned, they'll face a replay at Adams Park on Tuesday. A long way to go for Hartlepool on a Tuesday night, that is as well. The chair, chair boys will be hoping uh, that they... they you know, there we go into the, off the back of that game um, against a positive result against Portsmouth, who they've got on Saturday, who they haven't won any of their last four games. The most recent of which were a second string team go down 5 0 at home to Burton Albion yesterday. Ed, we'll start with that Hartlepool draw because there's plenty to tuck into with that Burton game as well. That's all Gareth Ainsworth side come from behind twice to earn a draw. Is it a good result in the circumstances, or when you're playing a team in the league below, should that just not be happening? I think, um, I mean, to be honest with you, I can't help but agree with Gareth Ainsworth, who said in his post-match interview, cup football totally different. And, and Wickham were taking scalps in the mm. FA Cup not that long ago. Yeah. And to be honest with you, Hartlepool aren't a bad side. And we did say last week that there are teams who can who can move through the Football League very quickly because the discrepancy between League 2 and League 1 and the discrepancy again between League 1 and the Championship, perhaps a little bit more so there. But to be totally honest with you, there aren't bad teams in the professional football period per se. Um, so, yeah, it's disappointing because on paper you look at it and you look at the strength of 
side that he played. And we did speculate about that because obviously they've been hit before by Ipswich at home in front of a 7,000 crowd on the Tuesday night. And I suspected that he might well have given some players a bit more of a rest had that not happened and looked to get them back ready and give them a little bit of time just to rejuvenate themselves. It's a long old season in these football leagues. You know, you're talking 46 league games plus your EFL Cup games plus your FA Cup games and... and there in in between as well other little bits and pieces that you've got to that you've got to play you know in this case they're going to be playing a replay but it was mm. a strong side that he fielded David Stockdale wasn't available but about two or three players wouldn't wouldn't typically have been the starting lineup apart from that I'd say it was all first teamers um, but at the end of the day you know Hartlepool came at them and were really looking to get that scalp and to to come from behind away from home not once but twice in the circumstances. I think they they probably did a good job and showed good character. Equally, they wouldn't have wanted to, to have a replay on Tuesday night, so it's not the result that they would have wanted. They would have wanted to get the job done up there, but in the circumstances, coming away without being beaten, it was probably important after what had happened to them uh, against Ipswich. Yeah, you're, you're bang on the money, and I think there's there's also an element that needs to be taken in when you when you think about the other team and and who they who they have and and what what their scenario is. And having just lost Dave Challoner, I said last week I thought it'd be detrimental to them by the looks of things and how the game went. They obviously had a point to prove on Saturday, where they were going to say, you know, it, it's the group that got promoted, not necessarily the manager, and we're the players that deserve to be here, regardless of whether we have Dave Challoner here or not. Um, and I, I think I think that definitely plays a part. Do you think that though that you know there's there's elements where you, with the team selection, I know you mentioned there was there was a lot of people, but certainly the way Wickham set up and the game unfolded, not not that this is very typical of Gareth Ainsworth, but there's there's any way they maybe slightly underestimated that Hartlepool team. Um, it's it's difficult because I don't think Gareth Ainsworth's message would have been we're going to go and steamroll at this night. He's too canny for that. He's been in the job too long, and he's been in the same situation. He's been in that league. With Wickham, let's not forget that as well. So I don't think that would have been the message that would have been coming to them. But equally, you know, sometimes players uh, are a little bit off their game, in particularly when they're playing sides that are so much lower down the pyramid as to be, you know, not even fighting for promotion in a different division beneath you. So it is a possibility, certainly. I think I think Hartley will probably surprise them a little bit. Um, but that's not to say Wickham underestimated them per se. You know, Hartlepool probably raised their game quite significantly. And this is a Wickham side we have been talking about just for the last couple of weeks of, of maybe not been hitting the heights yeah. that might be expected of them. As we say, it's a very long season and most teams, even those that get promoted, go through a period whereby they don't perhaps play as well as they might do because having consistency, you know, I mean, looking at the Premier League, the season that Manchester City and Liverpool, you know, Ended up yeah. one point apart on sort of 97 and 98 points. That kind of consistency just doesn't happen in the Football League, particularly very occasionally. I mean, I'd certainly remember a Reading team under Steve Koppel being absolutely emphatic throughout the Bang entire on, championship yeah. season. But generally speaking, most teams go through a bit of a rough patch. And at the moment, this is one of the rougher patches that Wickham have had. They're still in the top the top few teams in the table. But um, yeah, form-wise, it hasn't quite been going their way recently. And Hartlepool probably raised their game to a level yeah. that Wickham just weren't able to. Does it not concern you how early that blip's coming, though? Do you not? Do you not? You know, I, I, I know there's a few. Th- I know there's a few factors to be taken in, as you mentioned, and, and the, the fixture congestion this time of year does seem silly, and I think that's that's going to play a part. But I, I think you see these blips. I mean, like Leeds were were almost famous for it for three or four years in the championship that they'd be top of the championship by Christmas, mm-hmm. and then I, I don't know what they put in their Christmas dinners, but they'd end up <laughs> heavily down the table by March. I, I, I just do. Do you not sort of think there's an element of it, if they're going to have this blip now? By Christmas and when when the new year comes, they can't afford to have another one, really. 
Um, to a to a point, yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, when your team's not playing as well as you want them to play, you're always concerned because you don't know what's going to happen next. You can speculate, you know, until until the cows come home, you know. But let's talk about briefly the results we are referring to. So we're saying that against Crew, ninety seventh minute winner, uh, um, but they look jaded and mm. they'd had a very very long journey had, back yeah. from Yorkshire. So you know, you might make an argument for for that. Fleetwood was disappointing, particularly when you put yourself three one up away from home with forty minutes to play. Mm-hmm. You'd fancy yourself against a team in the bottom three Fleetwood you know came back and, and drew that game uh, and Ipswich was poor Ipswich have got players in that team who are what I think I refer to as fair weather players like mm. when the going's good those Ipswich players are very very good absolutely and right. I think you know the four, the fourth goal is misleading in the sense that Wickham were chasing so hard to get the second goal even in the 90th minute for them uh, that David Stockdale was practically on the halfway line and, <laughs> and got beaten to the ball and, and you know the Ipswich player just rolled it into the back of the net so you know 4-1 would have flattered Ipswich a little bit and indeed did flatter them a little bit that's not to say that Wickham were at the races they weren't and were and were second to the ball and were caught caught off guard a little bit um, but you know it's it's far from a catastrophic run but equally you you know they, they've not been they've not been on the money for a few games now I mean not to mention you know Burton Albion is a little bit different I mean that's Last a trophy time, yeah. that uh, that's a trophy that they're already out of and that was entirely more or less a second string 11 that was nil nil at half time and then lost five nil at the end of the at the end of the second half so you know that was that was crazy but that team was so much changed that it's it bears no resemblance to what okay. we'll play on on Saturday um, but yeah listen you know You've got a home game against Portsmouth. That will draw a decent crowd, I would have thought, because Portsmouth are a big entity mm. at that level. Um, and you'll be looking to get back to winning ways against a team that, as we discussed off air in Portsmouth, <laughs> are wildly inconsistent. So you know, you, you hope that they maybe don't don't come at them, come at Wickham like they did against Sunderland when they went four nil. Yeah, Wickham have a good day and are able to bang get back to winning ways at, at home and, and kick on again. And and that's one thing I would say is that I think after a loss against MD, MK Dons, Wickham went and, and won the next four. They they have been quite good at resetting when things haven't gone their way. Um, and now's hopefully the time they're going to be able to do that. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right about that. But now being result, I don't think there's too much that can be read into it at all. But I mean, any five nil defeat for me would sort of have some bearing on the dressing room that'd be my only worry whether it's a second string team or not that'd be my only thought even though you know those players have still the, the, the players that were still part of the squad that are going to be part of the squad on Tuesday might still have a thought but I mean just touching on that result on Saturday then um, the, the one go sorry the game on Saturday against Portsmouth uh, for me looking at that fixture as you've mentioned just how how patchy their form is I mean we, we I touched on it at the beginning how patchy Wickham's form is it's nothing compared to that of Portsmouth does it does it feel like it's one of those games where whichever whichever side wins could really sort of get the bit between their teeth and and form even more of a promotion charge than they already are just in the fact that that win will look huge for either of those sides um, I think it would do Wickham more good than it would do Portsmouth with regards to a promotion scenario just because Portsmouth you can't they don't seem to be able to string back to back wins together to mm. tell you the truth whereas Wickham you know you have to remember that when they lost 4-1 at home to Ipswich they had won eight games in a row at home eight league games and they'd won when you counted several more before that in the championship I think it was up to about 10 or 11 so in that regard it really was a, a very impressive feat that they've done they've got to go again in Portsmouth's case Portsmouth are kind of languishing a little bit in the table I mean I'm, I'm not quite sure what 14th is it yes, that they it are at the moment 14th yeah. so you know, I don't think I don't think it will see Portsmouth get the bit between their teeth for a promotion charge. But the Cowley brothers were brought into Portsmouth to try and achieve what Kenny Jacket couldn't, which is to get them promoted. Um, and yeah, it's it's not looking like it's going to go that way. I think a win would do far more for Wickham than it would for 
Portsmouth. But um, oh, that, was a, that was a good sound. Um, but uh, saying you're absolutely right, mate. That's yeah, what thanks, right, thanks very much. But um, that we'll have to wait and see. Portsmouth are a good side, and on their day, as we said about you know the National League in League One, anyone can beat anyone. They really can, mate. You're absolutely bang on with that one. I think the interesting thing for me is that Danny Cowley and, and Nicky Cowley, the Cowley brothers, as they're dubbed, and how well they did with Lincoln, and you know taking them up to League One. Maybe a bit of an oversight to leave for Huddersfield. I know that didn't really go as well as it could have done. Them both, both, you know, that sort of style of play that they play and, and the way that Gareth Ainsworth sets his teams up are quite similar in the sense that they're both, they both, you know, I know we've just spoken about what the t- times they've lost, but they both set up to be hard to beat. Do you think that's going to make for, for a, a less interesting spectacle than we could perhaps want to see? Quite possibly, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, we've got this one in the Predictions League this week and, and I can tell you now, I've gone for Wickham 1-0. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to tell you the truth, you know, I, I think it'll be uh, a game that both sides try not to to lose as much as they try to win um, but I think yeah I would fancy I would fancy Wickham for this one ever so slightly but I wouldn't be at all surprised to see a one-all draw either um, so that, that doesn't bode well for my prediction this week but um, but yeah we'll have to wait and see certainly looking forward to the game because I think uh, I think it'll be a good atmosphere I think you're bang on and it's nice of you to just tease the predictions league in there as well <laughs> I know everyone's just so as excited for it as we are so I, th- I think that makes a lot of sense um, th- great stuff and best of luck to Wickham obviously against Portsmouth on Saturday we're going to be turning our attention slightly up the leagues now to Reading in the championship across the Thames Valley one more time across the Thames Valley this this is River Radio well now for some pop music try this That's right. Now it's time for us to turn our attention to Reading, who got back to winning ways themselves on the weekend. A 2-1 win against Bournemouth, courtesy of a brace from 18-year-old Jamari Clark. Birmingham, sorry, not Bournemouth. Courtesy of a brace from 18-year-old Jamari Clark, becoming Reading's youngest ever goal scorer. Scorer. The win for Reading uh, is their first in five games after four consecutive defeats. We have got our Royals correspondent, Jacob Hawley, joining us on the line now, I believe. One second. Have we got, we got him on the line? He's joining. He's joining. It's Zoom. Hang on one second. We've got a doorbell in it. Yeah, it sounds like it, doesn't it? <laughs> He's on his way. Hang on. If we need a drum roll sound effect or something, really, don't we? <laughs> I, can, I can bang on the table. I, yeah. don't, think it's, I don't think it's going to be quite, quite the same, though, is it? No, I don't think it is. Jacob, can you hear us? Are you there? Hello. There we go. We've got him. We've got him. <laughs> Sorry, a bit like, I mean, I can't even see him. Sounds exactly. like a seance in there. <laughs> Would it be extra time without a technical difficulty? That, that, <laughs> that's, that's my question about it. Well, first and foremost, mate, how are you doing? You okay? Yeah, not bad. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all. Thank you, mate. Getting stuck into it then. For Reading, first and foremost, finally a win. What a relief is that? Yeah, I mean, it, it was needed. Uh, four, four losses in a row. You don't want that to turn into five, obviously. Um, but a tricky game as well. Birmingham had won three in a row, including Swansea. Um, so for us to go to St Andrews and come away with all three points, particularly in the in the fashion that we did, was was brilliant and, and very much needed. I, th- I think you're bang on. I remember I remember watching that game, um, the one where Birmingham played Bristol City, and they looked absolutely formidable. So it, it's no easy thing thing to go there and and grab a win. Obviously, Panovic has been missing through through um, catching coronavirus. How do you sort of feel like the team's coped in that respect? Yeah, it's a tricky one, that. Um, obviously, it seems almost as if we're past all that, but we're obviously not, um, as shown by the fact that Panovic is is in quarantine at the moment. But, yeah, they've done well under Marko Mitrovic. Um, the first game, obviously, we lost under him. Um, tricky circumstances for him to have to come in and, and take the lead role uh, in Panovic's absence. But he's done really well. Um, and 
to get a 2-1 win against Birmingham, like I just said, it's, it's a brilliant result, particularly away from home. And you have to give some credit to, to Mitrovic because, you know, Pandovic, all he can do on that day is just sit at home and watch. So, so a lot of that has, a lot of that credit does belong to Mitrovic. Jacob, it's it's Ed here. Obviously, fantastic news with Jamari Clark getting a brace. Another academy graduate for Reading. They just seem to be churning them out at the moment. Realistically speaking, youngest scorer now for the Royals. Does he deserve to start? Do you think after the international break was the performance that good that he would command a place on the on the team sheet? I think so. I mean, Pushkas has had a very difficult start to the season. He's he's been slow. He's not really got off the mark yet to score. Um, so, I mean, the argument is what, do, what has he done to warrant his place in the starting eleven? I mean, Clark comes on 45 minutes. This is his longest cameo appearance we've seen from him this season. And he made a real impact. You know, he, glancing header to, to level the scores. And then those two two efforts late on in the last 10 minutes just to, to get it past the keeper eventually and win the game. We haven't seen that from Pushkas this season. We, we just haven't seen that desire to score and, and be in the right places and get in front of your man the same way that we saw from the 18-year-old against Birmingham. And for me, after the international break, those two goals is, are certainly enough to warrant him him starting the game. And we've seen it with Elise, we've seen it with Richards, uh, and, and now maybe Clark is the next the next big thing from Reading Academy. In terms of, of Clark, I mean, do you think that sort of performance, obviously when a young player comes on, scores two goals in the space of 45 minutes, is very, very exciting. Do you think that was kind of expected for for him? And to be to be honest, you know, we've now got Nottingham Forest coming up after the international break. Is it the sort of game that you think, you know, having got that win just beforehand, it's given the players a real lift uh, because they're going to need it, aren't they? Because Steve Cooper has started to turn Nottingham Forest around, it would seem. Yeah, I think it's no secret that Clark's involvement is mainly down to injuries. Uh, but they wouldn't have given him, they wouldn't have taken Pushkas off in the first place if they didn't feel that Clark could offer them something else up front. He's, like I said, he's been a revelation, and there's no reason why he shouldn't start against Forrest. Uh, because, you know, it doesn't matter that he's 18 years old. He's he's scored a couple of goals away at Birmingham. He looks confident, and and that confidence that he's he's going to gain from scoring those two goals. He can bring that into the side who have been struggling lately um, against, against the forest side who, like you say, have had an upturn in form. They had a very, a torrid start to the season um, under Hewton. They've really struggled to even pick up a single point. They were winless, um, but under Steve Cooper, they've been a completely different side and their only loss actually came in that. Well, one of their only losses, sorry, came in that heavy four, one loss to Fulham. Um, but, he, he's been really good for them and, and the same squad that Chris Hewton had for him to be doing what he's doing it'll take a lot for Reading to come away with all three points on, on Saturday Absolutely right it's testament to what a good job he's doing as you mentioned there moving over to the uh, women's side obviously I mean I imagine both the men's and women's side there must be chance of can we play you every week against Birmingham because it just 